This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You need to know what's happening. It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaConfora. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle. My man Jason LaConfora, Carl Dukes, put him up. We are glad that you're here. Brian Balding will be with us later in the week, guys. We've got two weeks left in the NFL. Two. And then Ooh. it's playoff time. And Jason, hope you had a great Christmas. Looking forward you to too, brother. Uh, me, man, it was great. Uh, it was a lot of fun having football on, you know, on Christmas Eve and on Christmas yes. Day. It was great. And then we're looking forward to a great new year. We are glad that you guys are here as well. Again, subscribe, like us, tell your friends. We put out new episodes every Tuesday, Thursday. It's all about the NFL in the huddle. All right, let's start with the news that came down for the Denver Broncos. It wasn't a surprise. Jason no. and Baldy and I have been telling you guys this was going to happen. Now. The thing is that the Broncos didn't wait till the end of the season to do it. They fired Nathaniel Hackett. What is this an indictment of? Because I felt like, Jason, the Broncos just said, blank this. I'm talking about the players. They were like, blank this. Yeah. They didn't play at all in their game the other night. And I'm watching this game, and listen, to use the word quit, right, we're always careful because these are yeah. professional athletes. We don't want to indict them and say, hey, these guys quit. But I thought they quit. Yeah, I thought the defense kind of said enough's enough. Like we, you know, we played at an elite level. We held this thing together for four months, you know, 16 weeks. But all right, we're going to come out and throw picks right off the start. <laughs> we might not We might not rally this time, you know. Like we, we might not bow up and try to hold them under 17 to try to win this thing because we're kind of done with that. And you know what? On this day, we might have had to hold them under 10. And they were at 17 like that. So I think it was inevitable. You you had pushing and shoving on the sidelines with guys. I mean, you don't see this. The backup quarterback was involved. I mean, which is like, (laughs) yeah, the one guy didn't have any role in this whatsoever. Um, Yeah, it's not a good look for anybody. You could literally see a poorly constructed process, a poorly constructed coaching staff, a poorly constructed um, attempt to compete, just literally fall apart at the seams in real time in a bunch of different ways. Look, we've been talking about this for a long time. I think it was around week six. I wrote a piece at the Washington Post, talked to a lot of smart people in this league, and everyone could see that this wasn't going to work and that these new owners – we're not going to be able 
to send out season ticket renewals. You know, hey, here's what you owe me for next year. It's another year of hackettball. It'll be better next time. I promise. It, year two will be on the upswing. I mean, like, it was past the point of no return. Even then, um, he wasn't ready. And the ownership, the timing of the ownership taking over in the middle, you know, in October, definitely, you know, or at least a- after some of these moves have been made, didn't work in his favor either. The really s- smart, and if you want to say it would have been ballsy or whatever thing, that's fine. But if I really think if in week six where you see this as an elite defense and you see that the head coach is over his skis and, and the off and the staff is is not what it needs to be, I really think if you go to a Gary Kubiak, if you go to a Marvin Lewis, somebody mm-hmm. like that and say, can you give us three months? We think with the right leadership, with this defense and some of the pieces we have, and you figure a little something out with this quarterback, we, we can still salvage this season. And doing it now is, you know, giving it to Jerry Rosberg, who, you know, is a well-respected guy, but sure. he's a special teams coach who came in to prop this coach up in what, week three, when it was clear he didn't know when to call timeouts and when to punt and when to go for it and when to kick field goals. It would have been tough for a first-time ownership group to do that, but I think it would have been the right move for the GM. And now, I don't know if George is going to be there to hire this next coach or not. Um, But clearly, Hackett wasn't ready. I think clearly they did this with Aaron Rodgers in mind, like we're going to bring in Aaron Rodgers quarterback coach to recruit Aaron Rodgers. And that didn't work. And he never really got on the same page as Russell Wilson. And you're wondering why aren't they activating his legs more? Why aren't they simplifying things? Why aren't they implementing more RPOs? And and this is stuff, again, we were writing and talking about months ago, um, and it just never happened. And Russ is certainly a part of the problem. And now, Carl, I think they've got to try to find um, a profile of a coach who, A, has done it before and done it somewhat successfully. B, um, either if he's not the offensive guru, then the staff he's bringing in includes someone at a coordinator level who gets Russell Wilson, who knows Russell Wilson on some level, who has worked with Russell Wilson in the past. They've got to build a bridge here because they're stuck with this quarterback. Yeah, and here's the other thing, Jason. As we talk about the firing of Nathaniel Hackett, He's not going to be the last, guys. I mean, Black Monday's right around the corner in a couple of weeks, and we're going to be talking about other coaches, and you may be like, whoa, I didn't expect that. This one we expected. Yes. Why is it that these NFL teams, okay, and and, and again, I don't want to make this necessarily a black or white thing, but we know the opportunities for African-American coaches. Um, Even a guy in Kansas City for the last three years who's been a hot commodity hasn't gotten a chance, and Eric Bieniemy. But why is it that – this continues to happen when we see guys who necessarily haven't called plays, but they've been in and around a successful situation like Aaron Rodgers. His 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 resume, for the most part, the Broncos said, as you as you mentioned, they wanted to bring Rodgers there and it didn't happen. But it was also he he's worked with Aaron Rodgers for three years and therefore he's qualified to be a head coach. And that was bullshit. He wasn't. I mean, he got the job. The clock management was in question from day one. They had multiple issues starting week one with him, you know, how he might manage the clock. Then you start to see the play calling. Then you're last in the league in points scored at 15 a game. All of this stuff was culminating, and it was based on the fact of the idea that these organizations, Jason, continue to go, well, he's worked with this guy, and therefore it's going to be successful. And it's crap. Yeah, no, it is crap. Um 
And look, it's also the staff they put together. When it's a staff of a bunch of other young guys who you're giving their first opportunity to do this or their first opportunity to do that, there wasn't enough there there. There wasn't enough old heads who could balance that out, um, who could see early on, you know, hey, I got to I gotta talk to you, coach. Here, You know, you're missing. You're missing a few things here. And you do it, you know, you pull them aside and you can see some of those red flags coming, you know. You need to have a guy like that in your corner, and, and he really didn't. Um, look, these hiring processes are often racist, are often lazy, are often driven by narratives that agents and people who have a vested interest in the outcome uh, push on these owners who far too easily fall for it or take the okie doke because they are lazy or racist or both. Um or just not invested enough in truly making this a meritocracy and finding the best human being possible for these jobs um, and doing it in a, a profound and robust way. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it just, that's not really how it works. The right person whispers the right name in their ear at the right time. And he's got the right last name and he worked with the right people. And it's about who was your daddy and who have you worked with? Right. And, 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 who, who do you know that I know? And old boy network and nepotism and cronyism. And yeah, they, they it's, it's, it's kind of shameful. It, it is. I, I want to mention this and we'll move on because I've had these conversations with Mike Tomlin off the record. Um, I've had these conversations with Raheem Morris off the record. Um, and I'm talking about coaches who've been in this league for a long time, black coaches. And I asked them, the last few years as we've gone through this process and I said, what, what needs to happen? And they said, listen, we like guys like us need to also be involved in this process. Why are you going to coaches who don't know other young black coaches who may be up and coming and may be the next right. wave of guys. We are the guys who know those guys and we need to be able to have those conversations with owners. Those things aren't happening. Now this is a whole separate conversation as we talk about Nathaniel Hackett, but I want to say this, even though Nathaniel Hackett was the wrong hire, you give a guy like Todd Bowles the job. He's been a head coach. Bowles, in my opinion, has been terrible. He's not been a good head coach. And the Buccaneers are still probably going to win this division in the NFC South. Yep. But this is not necessarily once you get the job, you don't have to prove yourself. Todd Bowles, to me, if they moved on from him after the season, I wouldn't be surprised, sure. even if they win the NFC South. So I want to be clear about this as we talk about it. It is about opportunity. But at the end of the day, it's also about performance and winning and doing the things that you're hired to do. And I think Todd Bowles took a step back this year with the Bucs, and you guys see it. They don't scare anybody. That's a that's a team with Tom Brady yeah. that you go, eh. So with that said, Nathaniel Hackett's hire is one thing. You give a guy like Todd Bowles a job where you say, hey, all the pieces are in place, and he doesn't really utilize it. It goes both ways. So you got to take advantage of these opportunities. All right, Jason, let's move on, man. It's Jason Lock on four. Carl Dukes, it's in the huddle. Let's talk about these Jaguars. Whoa. They beat the Jets. Trevor Lawrence is on a hell of a run. And now yep. all of a sudden, the playoff picture in the AFC looks a lot more interesting with the Jaguars potentially involved. Can they make noise in the playoffs, Jason? Well, I think so. Um, I mean, I don't I don't think they're ready to compete for a Super Bowl, but could they win a playoff game and put a scare in somebody the following week or maybe even win two games? I, I don't think it's out of the question. Um you know, the seeding will have certainly something to say about that and the matchups if they get in. But I would not be surprised if they get in. And the, the, the quirky thing this week is 
they and the Titans don't have a ton to gain by going out and, you know, selling out to try to win their games this week because it's going to come down to their Week 18 head-to-head matchup one way or the other. So, you know, Mike Vrabel's got a really beat-up roster. And just listening to him talk after their, uh, you know, horrible loss to the, the, the Texans, he sounded like somebody who felt like he needed to punt this week and, and play, you know, hold back guys like Derrick Henry, hold back his his war horses, the guys who fought the hardest for him to try to save him for one last battle in week 18. Whereas I don't think that's Doug Peterson because Doug Peterson's got a team that's on fire right now yeah. and a team that is peaking and ascending and all these different pieces now, you know, are, are coming together and especially offensively. So I don't, I, you know, I think Doug Peterson is going to try to win every game he can and just keep winning. And, you know, whatever his next losses happen some point in the playoffs. Um, yeah, the offense is certainly dangerous. There, there's no two ways about it. You know, and the defense gets just enough pressure. And I feel like they're getting better play in the secondary and getting just enough splash plays, turnovers, um, drive, drive stopping plays to where they're absolutely dangerous. And if you're going to rank the teams in the AFC, you know, one way to start is ranking the quarterbacks. I mean, is he number four? You know, right now, Lawrence, wow. you know, yeah. would you would you put Herbert in front of him based on the way the Chargers call games? You know what I mean? And the, that dinky dunk, rinky-dink offense? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, you know? Like, certainly Doug, Doug Peterson trusts Trevor Lawrence much more than Brandon Staley. And Joe Lombardi trust trust Herbert. So, yeah, I think that gives them. I think it gives them a fighting chance. I mean, you look at the rest of the teams, you know, who are either going to be in like Baltimore, right? Who have clinched, or teams like New England and the Jets and the Dolphins, um, you know, and the Titans and the Steelers. You know, yeah. all these teams on the periphery. That group that's bunched up, yeah. Jackson, would you rather have Trevor Lawrence and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram and Travis Etienne? Yes, and yes, and Marvin Jones, and uh, you know, would you rather have that or these other outfits on offense? I, I'm with you. And by the way, speaking of of the Jets, J E T S Jets, Jets, are they cooked? Are the Jets cooked? Even with Mike White coming back, are they done? Well, look, they face this. They face Seattle, right? And these two, these are two teams who are carbon copies of each other in many ways. From you're looking at them, I think the Jets were what six and two at their buy. Um, Seattle was, I think, six and three at, at one point, and the bottoms completely dropped out for both of them. And the quarterback play has really declined. Now that's yeah. not you know Mike White's fault. Mike White got hurt, but um, you know Mike White had a couple of really nice games, and, and then they've had to go in other directions. I don't know. You know, it's ribs, man. Like a lot of times that you shoot them up and then the first time you get hit, like nobody's touching Mike White in practice. You know what I mean? Like you don't really know until you're out there playing tackle football again. Um, They're going all the way to Seattle. You know, that's tough. I I think Seattle is who we thought they were at the beginning of the year. Uh, You know, an afterthought, a team that, you know, has made some strides, but is not ready to compete. But this is a desperation bowl. Um, so it may prove to be a little bit of a tough spot for the Jets. I lean to the Jets here because of the superior defense and because they're getting Mike, Mike White back, and that gives them a boost of energy, a boost of confidence. You know, they don't have to deal with that whole Zach Wilson thing. Uh, 
But man, I don't think Woody Johnson's real happy right now. You know, I don't yeah. think ownership's real happy with how the last five, six weeks have gone with how this quarterback situation has gone. I mean, they took this kid second overall, and now he's behind Strevler on the <laughs> the, the on, on the injury on the depth chart. Like, how do you say it? How do you say it? <laughs> Strevler. Yeah. But I always I like to. Oh, I know. It's great. And a few syllables Listen, and stuff. When, Jason, when this kid came in, I, I'm watching and I'm going, who is this? Yeah. Like, I'm like, who is this guy? And there's, you know, the, I don't even know who called the game. I forget. Uh, and they're like, yeah, he's the practice quarterback. And I'm like, bro, you just got benched for the practice squad quarterback? I mean, it doesn't get any worse. At home that. in prime time. Yeah. Oh. And while they're booing you off the field. So I think there's going to be some questions asked by ownership about this staff. You know, I don't know that that entire offensive staff's coming back. I think the GM, Joe Douglas, um, might have some awkward conversations with ownership here in a few weeks. And, no, I'm not convinced they're getting into the playoffs. But, you know, if Mike White, Mike White does his thing um, and they do win this game, it's certainly you – can, you can change your perspective on them a little bit and look at it through the prism of, well, when that guy was under center. Right. It was, you know, that was we're, a playoff. We're a better team. team. Yeah, we're yeah. a better team. Um, I want to I want to ask you about the Ravens um, and, and Jason. It's it's in the huddle, guys. Make sure you subscribe Tuesday, Thursdays. We talk all things NFL, take you behind the scenes. We'll give you the latest stories. We'll do it in the offseason as well. We'll do it in the playoffs. We're here for you. The Ravens played the Falcons. Falcons can't get out of their own way. They started a rookie quarterback, Desmond Ritter, second weekend. You know, it's his second game of the year. They can't score when they need to. I don't know how I look at this win for the Ravens, except the fact that they did what they needed to do. But, Jason, yeah. I know you're close to that organization. You know a lot of folks in it. I, I, do the Ravens have a real shot when Lamar gets back? Because I watched them against the Falcons, and I thought that game should have been a lot more. Oh, sure. It should have been a bigger margin of victory, yeah. right? And yeah. then I'm saying to myself, okay, Lamar makes up for all of that. Instead of it being 17-9, that score would have been 31-9, right, if Lamar plays. Do you feel no. that way? I don't know. Um, I, I, I feel like Lamar wasn't. Um, close to 100% the last three or four games he played before the knee injury took him down, and he's been on the injury report a lot. And that offense really hasn't looked, you know, good or met expectations. You probably have to go back to week three at New England. So um, now part of that was when Lamar was in there, Dobbins really wasn't back yet, or Dobbins was back for a couple games he wasn't himself, then he had to have another scope. Um so he's never really been there for an extended period of time while they had their full complement in the backfield. Um, and Ronnie Stanley, you know, their star left tackle, missed some of that time as well. But it's a broken offense. I mean, it just is. The red zone um, was broken with Lamar. I don't know that they, you know, flick right. a switch and get back to what the expectations were coming in. Certainly it's nowhere close to 2019. I mean, it's probably the worst group of wide receivers in the league. Um, you know, there's no pizzazz. There's no twitch. There's no yak. There's no, you know, there's no guy who goes up and just so, high points it. And, so you're and saying they're making not... Mark Andrews away. Mark Andrews is all they have. That's Mark right. Andrews doesn't have a touchdown catch since week six. So I don't and, – and look, I'm not convinced Lamar is definitely coming back for this game. And nobody in that building necessarily knows. You know, if Lamar well, wait, wait, says Jason, he's let, not ready, Lamar's not ready. Let me ask you this, though, Jason. 
But is he sitting out because he's not going to play until the playoffs and this is a, a business decision? Or is he sitting out because it's he's really still injured? See, this is my concern. Like, I'm looking at this from afar and I'm going, all right, is Lamar really playing this game where I'm hurt? You guys see what you do without me until uh, until the playoffs. I mean, is that who he is? Is that who Lamar Jackson is, or is this a business decision? Well, I look. They be, by getting that win, they're in the playoffs. Are they going to catch Cincinnati? No, um, probably not. So take Lamar out of it. If you're them, like, do you want Lamar playing your rival, who you know? The Steelers have tended to really get after them, and Watts had monster games against them. And it's Highsmith on the other side, and it's Cam Hayward against their rookie center, who he just got a look at a couple weeks ago. And I would say Linderbaum certainly held his own in round one, but that fight ain't over. I, I, like you know, and and how much does he practice this week? And what do the conditions look like? You know what I mean? Is that field going to be remotely slick? Now they're playing it at night. Um, you know, what's the risk reward? Is Do you want him just to play one half against Cincinnati to sort of get his legs back under him? And then, you know what I mean? Pull him yeah. there if there's nothing yeah. on the line. Like, And then he's got to be all in with it too. Because, yeah, they've created a situation where he's got no, no future guarantees, no safety net, no nothing. So, you know, and then, you know, stuff gets leaked out to, you know, the guys who – are willing to say parrot whatever the team's willing to parrot like oh it's it's only a one to three week injury you know I don't know a lot of PCLs are four to six yeah you know but nobody's gonna come out and say that there no one's gonna defend the kid you know oh would all the reports two weeks ago oh yeah he's gonna come back and practice and he's fine he's gonna play next week he didn't take a single snap not only did he not play he didn't even dress for a practice last week so where's that coming from who's putting out who's putting that out there yeah it's not Lamar it's not team Lamar it's not Lamar's mom so there's a lot going on, man. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot to it. it. It's a tricky situation. But now just for them, it was as well for competitive balance situations, you know, and everybody likes to say, well, you play every game to win and every game counts. Well, no, certain games count more than others. And this Steelers game, while it's a, a rivalry game and to that degree, it's a big deal. It's a much bigger game for the Steelers than the Ravens, who the Steelers are fighting for their playoff lives. And the, the Ravens are in. They're in, and, you know, could they catch Cincinnati because they beat them once already? Yeah. But well, they finished the season there, right? They're yes, on the road. they play there week 18. Yeah, to finish the season. And you did beat the Steelers a few weeks ago with your backup on the road. Bills are, yeah, Bills are in. I'm with you, Jason. I, it, listen, that's a great way to look at it, and I totally agree with you. Um, And what'd you call them, parrots? The puppets out there? I, oh. I, I uh, the, You can't. You can't figure it out when you hear these reports um, sometimes because it's it's bogus. Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens, Chargers in. Miami could get in. Jags are sitting there. They could get in because the Jags could obviously win the division. Yep. And you're looking at the Dolphins. But those teams are in. So you're, you're right. You're looking at this differently now because I need to be healthy going to the playoffs in three weeks. How do I manage my roster? Who am I playing? Who am I not playing? It's a great point. Now, while we're talking about the playoff standings in the AFC, let's talk about the Chargers. Herbert didn't play well last night, right? He didn't have to be great. Wasn't but, his best game. But the Chargers find a way to win. Meanwhile, the Colts continue to look terrible. This is, I, didn't, I didn't think it could get any worse week after week after week. And the game starts last night. Pick, 
pick. I'm like, this thing is terrible to watch. It's hard to, to visualize where the Colts are going to go this offseason. I know they changed quarterbacks again. It was Nick Foles last night. It didn't matter. Colts fans, I feel for you. Well, that is a terrible I mean, situation. It did and it didn't, though. Like, this part pisses me off. Uh-oh. Like, if we're going to play these games and, pretend, you know, yo-yo these guys in and out of there and pretend like the owner knows best and, you know, really it's a, it's a tank. It's, it's, a, it's a, like, elaborate tank job. But there's people who are getting caught in the shrapnel. There's people who are catching strays. And when you just keep parachuting in different quarterbacks, right, and you think you're cute, now we're going to this dude who looked like he wasn't even up for it on the sidelines all year in Foles, right? right. And he's coming out saying, I don't even really know that I know the offense. Like, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to play this year. Like, they don't even really use me as a scout team practice. Like, I don't even really do anything in practice. Then we're gonna I don't know what's going on. Game, right? yeah. We're going to parachute him in, practice him a few times, and have him play against a team that's fighting for their lives. And he looked like a guy didn't know the offense. He looked like a guy didn't know where receivers are going to be. And I'm watching that first series saying, you don't get somebody hurt. Now, I'm not – what Derwin James did, you can't leave with your head. I'm not defending any of that. But just go back and look at where Foles is leaning. Look at his balance. Look at his footwork. Look how lazy that pass is. And it wasn't the only one he threw like that. He threw a lot. Like, yeah. you're putting people at risk. This isn't – Fantasy football, you're not smarter than everybody or say. The Jeff Saturday hire was appalling and shameful, and it has lived up to that. That's what it looked like to people when it happened, and that's what it's proven to be. Mm. And to have these displays week after week after week, it's an absolute joke. And then for the owner to be talking about Jeff Saturday's potential job security before that game is oh. an absolute joke. Like, <laughs> It's, it's, it turned my stomach. And the sad thing is I could see it coming. And it's like, if I could see it coming, how could a guy in Jeff Saturday who lived in those trenches in a way I never could for 15 years not know that, you know what, maybe this really doesn't make sense. Like, I, it might be what boss man wants or, you know, whatever. Uh, it, maybe, it, you know, it helps me win a football game. But, like, that never – and they got a guy calling plays who's never called plays before who doesn't know what he's doing. And you put all that together and it's like, yeah – and you're asking these guys to risk their necks, and they've already been eliminated from the playoffs. And it's like you just keep throwing hurdles at them. A coach who's not really a coach, a coordinator who's not really a coordinator. Now we're going to play a quarterback who thought he was retired in his head. Let's see what that looks like. Let's see Let's see if he survives. Let's see if a receiver survives. Let's see if the tight ends would survive. Oh, yeah, and, they, and everybody knows. If I know it, Jeff Saturday has to know it. Their offensive line is an affront to football. But let's throw that in the mix, too. And then, no, the, the – the, the thirty-year-old kid called plays. Let's try to air it out. With the, let's really let's take, let's take the stakes even higher, right? Like player health and safety. Are we we gonna just hand it off? Nah, man. Let's push the ball downfield and see what that looks like. A pox on all their houses. It's it's bad. Jason Lock on four. Carl Dukes put him up. Glad to have you guys here. My man Brian Baldinger with us on Thursday. We'll look ahead to this week's games. We're taking a look back, taking a look at all the standings and scenarios. Jason, who needs home field the most? Is it the Bills? Is it the Chiefs? Is it the Bengals in the AFC specifically? Who needs to have that advantage of home field to make it to the Super Bowl, in your opinion? I think probably, I think the, I, I would say the Bills. Um, I think so too. It seems to be their bugaboo. And I know they wanted Arrowhead back in week four or whatever it was, but that's different. 
I think the Bengals showed last year with the gauntlet they ran on the road. Like, you know, yeah, you're going to hit our quarterback 15 times in Nashville and we're still going to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're going to look dead to rights at the end of the first half at Arrowhead. <laughs> we're going to come back and win. Um, and even the way they played the first 50 minutes or whatever of the Super Bowl. So I don't. I think, you know, Joe Burrow, he slayed Dragons. You know, they don't need to prove anything. Uh, Mahomes has a Lombardi trophy. Uh, are they better at home? You know, that with, with how bad that defense has been for most of the last few weeks. Could they use it? Sure. I, I don't know that they necessarily need it. Okay. And, but, but for Buffalo, yeah. I mean, it seems like it's kind of been their mantra all year. It's it's kind of been something that they feel like is super important to them. And for a large part of the season, they were in the driver's seat, especially coming off that win at Arrowhead, even through their little mini dip, they still had you know plenty of time left to get it back. And this this game at Cincinnati will obviously be fascinating, you know, and it'll give us another little sort of portal into where the Bills really are and where the Bills on the road really are. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would say probably um, even if it's just for you know subconscious stuff, it, it seems to be a thing for them and. Obviously, their fan base is rabid, and you know them getting to host an AFC Championship game. Crazy. Um, it wouldn't guarantee a victory, uh, but I think it would certainly enhance their chances. And if it's a weather, you know what I mean? If it's a weather situation and they happen to be facing a team that doesn't have as much experience with that stuff, yeah, it could certainly help. I want to talk about Tua for a minute. Um, then we're going to get to some NFC stuff. Two or three picks in the fourth quarter. Now you're turning the, the ball, you're, you're handing the ball over to Teddy Bridgewater. For those who don't know, two is in the concussion protocol, okay? That's another conversation, again, that we'll have because if this continues to happen, you start saying how many times is he going to be in the concussion protocol? Yeah. It's concerning. But more concerning is his play. And I thought it was a Dolphins collapse and the Packers with the veteran quarterback and Aaron Rodgers just did what they needed to do to win on the road. Everything fell the Packers way with all the winning, you know, away from them having to win. Everybody won and lost who needed to lose and win. And then they win. And here the Packers are sitting there still in, in, in playoff contention. How worried are you about Tua? How can he look so good and then well, look so bad? Well, if he was concussed, I think that explain, you know, that would explain a lot of it. I mean, there's, you know, a play early in the second half where he got tossed to the field hard and and appeared to as he landed have his neck cocked back and hit yep. the back of his head so now it wasn't obviously spotted in real time and and i guess um and how does know, that keep but how does that keep happening jason don't you have these guys that are specifically watching for these concussion moments you do you have a number of them yeah you you have them on the sidelines you have them eyes in the sky um and you obviously have cameras all over the place, and a lot of people are privy to that in real time. But it wasn't spotted, and he didn't, you know, from the accounts coming out of the Dolphins press conferences on Monday, he didn't really report any symptoms until, you know, far after that game. But for someone who has, as he has, taken so many shots to the head this year, for someone who's had to miss parts of the season already because – he was concussed. I mean, I, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know exactly the timeline of everything, but you, one could posit a theory that like 
the Packers defense didn't all of a sudden start knowing where stuff was going. And Tua didn't all of a sudden forget the game plan and become super inaccurate because to that point, he was averaging like 20 something yards of an attempt. Yeah. That he wasn't, you know what I mean? That he was in a fog, that he wasn't himself, that he wasn't seeing things right, that the speed of play felt different to him because whether he knew it or not, his brain was experiencing some trauma. I mean, again, I, I don't know how much we'll find out. Right. Tua himself won't be made available to the media again until he's, whenever he's healthy, comes yeah. out of concussion protocol, which might not even be this year. Until or unless they get a system that's totally foolproof, which maybe that'll never exist. I, I think there is also an onus on that player to some degree. Maybe onus is too strong of a word, but I, I feel like there's a level of responsibility to like say, hey, I I bashed the back of my head on the ground. I, I guess nobody saw it. But I smacked, you know, when Check I got me out, all like a rag doll, the back yes. of my head, you know, like my brainstem area smashed the ground. And, you know, can somebody, you know, check me out now? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being naive. No, but I, like, I don't. I, don't. I think this is player responsibility, Jason. This is. And here's the problem. And, I, and when the, when the Tua incident happened earlier this year, when we were all frightened because he's on the field and. And and it was one of the most scariest Showing moments because signs of trauma. Yeah. yeah, you you don't want to see a guy die on the field. There's two things playing here. One is the player responsibility. I don't feel right. Check me out or take me out of the game. But number but but part of that is players don't do that. Guys are built to not do that, right? And the other part for Tua is let's be honest, he's chasing a bag. Tua's trying to get to that next deal. And if I screw myself by saying, hey, I've got all these concussion issues and my playing time starts getting cut and I'm not playing and I'm not getting the reps, you're not getting to that bag. So he, I know he understands that. And so I'm going to do everything I can to play. But that is where you're risking my future health and life versus me chasing this and wanting to get to $150 million, whatever it's going to be, $200 million. So two is never going to say, hey, my head is hurting. Take me out. He's hurting his team by not helping himself and make those decisions. And then you say you come back. What's worse, right? Him leaving the game or him throwing three picks. Yeah. And, and look, I don't I'm not going to sit here and say I've got it figured out or I have all the solutions. Clearly, there are still holes in this process and there are things happening on that football field that are not being detected um, nearly enough in, in real time. Um, there are, I'm sure, more preventative measures that. um can and will be taken. And again, I, I don't know that you'll ever find a situation where with 22 guys on the field and all that going on, that we're going to see every instance of potential head trauma sure. by someone the moment it happens. Um, it's better, Jason, than it was, right? Sure. When, we were, when we were growing up, nobody cared about concussions, right? It was glorified. And, 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 and then he got, rung his bell. <laughs> exactly. You know, I was seeing stars. It's better yeah. than it was. It's gotten better. And I do commend the NFL for saying, hey, we're trying. It's not their fault. And this is where Jason is right. Tua's got to say, I don't feel right. You know, uh, I got hit a couple of plays back. Guys, check me out. I just think it's hard to ask players to do that, especially under those circumstances. All right, we, let's move on, Jason. we got to talk about the NFC stuff here before we get out of here. In the huddle, guys, subscribe. Tuesday, Thursdays, new episodes. 
We're talking about two weeks left in the NFL. We're going back and telling you all the things that we're thinking, people we've talked to, things that are going on around the league. All right, Eagles, Vikings, 49ers have emerged as the top dogs for the NFC. And then Dallas is in there. And now I, I want to talk about Dallas because here's where I'm at with the Cowboys. And, and I've come on here and I've said, listen, Cowboys are a Super Bowl team. I'm buying them. I know you and Baldy, not so much. Here's my concern, though. I don't know if I trust Dak Prescott on the road for three for three games to go win three games in the playoffs. That is my concern with the Cowboys, despite them beating the Eagles. And, Jason, this was a much more important game for the Cowboys than it was. The oh, game. yeah. Look, I'm, I'm still a Cowboys skeptic. Um, Dak, yes, he, he, he's, he's good for like a pick six a week now for six weeks running. But even beyond that, are, are people still saying this is an elite defense? Like, is that narrative still out there? Like. Mm. Is Dan Quinn still a genius? I mean, I don't know. Is he? I, I never – like, again, I wasn't one of the ones ready to anoint them after week six or whatever. But, like, Gardner Minshew did whatever he wanted. And and guess what? The only reason Gardner Minshew didn't hang about, I don't know, a 40-burger or a 45-burger on him was because dudes kept fumbling the ball. Or the officials let that Dallas secondary get away with uh, <laughs> kind of whatever they wanted. And – you know, was that a bang-bang play or was the receiver getting hit in the back before the ball even got there, right? So all that went in Dallas's favor. They got gift fumbles. A lot of times that they didn't even create. Dude just coughed it up. I mean, Minshew was playing a lot of pitch and catch. He was. Like, like I, I thought Dallas was going to win that game. I mean, I thought Philly was going to win that game. I mean, I, I think Philly played well enough in most regards to win that game. They 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 had four turnovers. Um and they, they weren't going to be able to overcome that on the road with the backup quarterback on a day where they lost Lane Johnson. But, man, they came close. And I think they continue to expose the underbelly of Dallas, which is the decision-making from the quarterback at times and a defense that um, it, it kind of really waffles from series to series, right? I mean, it's like Parsons gets two pressures and three plays. They're off the field. That doesn't yep. happen. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know how that plays out in the postseason. But um, from the Eagles' standpoint, that I mean, it, it's all about if they if they don't get Lane Johnson back, that's going to rear its ugly head at some he's, point. He's like, a beast too. You man, you can great. get you know two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. You probably hold up, but you're going to come up against. And maybe it is Dallas, some team that's got a couple of dudes who can get off and you're having to change your whole offense around to try to help out the right tackle now. And you're not able to win the numbers game and the run game the way you'd like. And and some things just – or they're going to have to curtail maybe the scope of their passing game and not be able to send as many guys vertical at once because you got to help out the right tackle. Um, I, I do wonder if that if that is a – you know an injury where he's not coming back till the championship game or something like that. Can they get there without him? Um, I don't know. It's a big one. It's a big loss. Lane John, there's no doubt. When I saw him on the field, I was like, that's the last dude you want to lose on that offensive line. And I think the Eagles have arguably the best offensive line in football. Yes. Um, I, 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 I do. <laughs> hey, let's talk about the lines real quick. Jared, Jared Goff, 355 yards on the road, three touchdowns. Don't blame him. No. Blame the uh, the Lions defense. Yeah. 
What is the deal now? We've said this, though. You've been on this for a while. You said, listen, they're not that good. They're not that good. Baldy's been saying they're coming, but they're not that great. It's been all offense, right? We're scoring 35 a game. Keep up with us. They score 23. They lose 37-23 to the Panthers, who, by the way, if you're not paying attention, are coming on. And they're running the yeah. football, guys. Deontay Foreman, Chuba, uh, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard, those guys are beast. They're handing the ball off to these guys. They're getting five yards a pop. They ran for yeah. 290 yards on the ground. Carolina is dangerous, and I would have oh, never yeah. thought I would have said that. So, Jason, what's going on with the Lions defense rearing its ugly head right now at the worst uh, uh, possible yeah. time? It's you really know? weird because the, the the Panthers had been really establishing a two-headed monster in the run game. And then Pittsburgh, who couldn't stop anything against the Ravens, shut that down. Yep. Um, and the Lions, the strength of that defense, since it has started to make incremental improvements the last six weeks, the major strides were made stopping the run. I mean, they had become a team where I almost felt like that was going to be a game where Carolina was going to have to disband the run by halftime to try to keep up. And then Sam Darnold might throw some picks because he can't just lean on Hubbard and Foreman. And they had seven runs of 20 yards or more. It's nuts. Like, this isn't high school football. Like that's not <laughs> supposed to happen in that's the right. NFL. Yeah. Like th that's crazy to me. I mean, they kicked the lion's ass up and down that field in the trenches. Um, you know, the lions were probably due for a blip. It happened. They're, they're still in the hunt. Uh, and, yeah, if Carolina beats Tampa, then we start looking at that division in a whole nother way. Again, Steve Wilkes absolutely positively should be handed that job. Now, if he if he wants to pursue other opportunities instead of that, he's also <laughs> earned that right uh, and, and then some. Yeah. But I don't know how after that debacle of Matt Rule and you see this, this, this individual transform your operation, make it professional grade, make players accountable make um, significant strides on both sides of the ball, stay in a playoff race with Sam Darnold, you know, who's what, the fourth quarterback, at least the third quarterback they've played this year. Um, if that's not coaching, I don't know what is. Um, so, yeah, this is a this is going to be a really interesting week for both of those teams. I don't think the Lions are just going to completely wilt, though. I, I don't think they're going to just disappear. Uh, I think they have more fight in them. Um, I'm a little concerned that it's been a few weeks since the run game has looked the way you would like it to look. Now, again, <clears throat> Jets, elite defense, Panthers, really good defense. So that might have something to do with it. Um, and, yeah, they, they, you, you can't give up 300 on the ground. Like that That just – that can't happen. So we'll see where these teams, you know, go from here. Uh, like they could both be in the playoffs. I, I mean, know. They can yeah. meet each other in the playoffs, hypothetically. So it's crazy. Who knows? It's the NFC is bonkers. It is. Uh, one last thing before we get out of here, guys. Again, subscribe, like us. New episodes Tuesday and Thursdays in the huddle, wherever you find your podcast. Um, I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to get fired. Well, he's going to walk her. No, it'll be it'll be mutually <laughs> mutually decided to part ways. Yes, good which call. means good the call. lawyers figured out the money. Good call. Because but he don't want us and we don't want him, but uh, mutual parting of the ways. That's a good call. Yeah. You're, you're right. That, that'll be the quote. How do you not throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins but one time in four quarters, and yet you are considered to be an offensive-minded guy, a genius, uh, this great system, which I've not seen in the professional ranks. College is always exist. different. It doesn't. Um, you know my theory, right? 
the, the, the offense has been Kyler Murray, run around, run around, run around, run around, run around, run around. Oh, find somebody, and it looks great, and what a play playmaker Kyler Murray is. This thing has got to come to an end. The Cardinals have some real decisions to make, but that's one side of it. The Bucs win this game, and they beat the Cardinals 19-16. We've said it. Bucks of Carolina are going to win the NFC South. It's going to be ugly one way or the other. I think Panthers are playing better football right now. I just do. Yeah. But the Buccaneers still find a way to win, and, and I think the Cardinals, you're going, okay, Cardinals and Colts fans are in the same position, right? Bad things, bad organization, bad coaching, bad decision-making, all this. They're very similar in my mind, Jason. I don't know if I'd rather be a Cardinals fan or a Colts fan right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what you think of Kyler Murray because the Cardinals are stuck with him for several more years, whereas the Colts are going fishing for another quarterback for like the sixth straight year since Andrew Luck retired. Um, I mean, I think you could also make the case, though, that we were just the NFC is more watered down than the AFC. Yeah. So maybe that works in your favor. And guess what? I don't think Trevor Lawrence is a fluke. So you, you got a big boy quarterback now in the AFC South. Um, where in the NFC South and the NFC West is as you know as good as it has been in recent years, Geno Smith, the bloom has come off that rose. San Francisco, they don't even know who their starting quarterback's going to be next year. I mean, maybe it's Brock Purdy, right? And Matthew Stafford's coming off a year that was basically a complete loss. I mean, they start talking about what his elbow and his shoulder in the spring, right? Yeah. And he didn't get through the season. So it might be Baker Mayfield. I, don't, I mean, I, I think Stafford will be back, but what does that look like and how much longer does that last? So may, I'm making a case for Arizona maybe to be able to get out of the doldrums sooner, but Arizona's roster is meh. Um, their culture is warped and toxic. Uh, what have the, what is the, what, like, tell me what have the, what have the, the Bidwell's done ever? It's just like, nothing. have they ever sustained even back to back really good seasons? I mean, they had the they had the the, the moment in time with Kurt Warner. What well, yeah. Outside of that, what am I missing? We can take it back, you know, to when they were the Phoenix Cardinals or what like what what have they like how, what are you looking at with that ownership group saying, yeah, they get it, yeah, they'll turn it around? Like no, they're the Arizona Cardinals. There isn't much. No, it's true. Guys, we gotta run. We really appreciate you being here and checking us out. We're going to come back on Thursday. Brian Baldinger will be here, and uh, we'll talk about the games coming up this weekend. Important games. But, again, you're going to see some teams manage their roster and some guys playing. We talked about Lamar, some guys not. You've got to be careful heading into the playoffs because the ultimate goal is, especially for those teams that are in, Jason, not to just win, but win in the playoffs, right? Yes. It's, you, you got to manage this. Man, great job. Always love it. And uh, happy new year, man, because same uh, to you, my friend. Next, next week when you. we talk, it'll be 2023. Oh, By the nuts. way, what are you what, what are you working on for the post, man? People need to check it out. I uh, got some reporting on this Jets situation that I think uh, continues to point towards this being a little bit of a rocky offseason for them. Beyond just Zach Wilson. And then through the week, I'll be gathering some string on where the Broncos go from here as well. Uh, for sure. For sure. That ain't that ain't going to be easy turnaround either. All right, man. Check him out. Washington Post. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man. Subscribe and like us, guys. Tell your friends in the huddle. Brian Baldinger, Jason Lock on 4. I'm Carl Dukes. Everybody have a great day.